Okay, today, guys, we are continuing the series that we have been on, which is Behind the Hero. Um, and today's character is, I'm named after, and that is David. Um, and I'm really excited for what we're going to share together today. Um, there's, there's lots of in-depth happening in this story, and it's going to be awesome. So just make sure you're following along. and. Let's get through this um, together. Lots of stuff to be taken from it. Um, so a quick introduction is I'll be speaking on two major stories within the, the life of David. And one of them is very famous um, and one of them maybe not so famous. And we're gonna have a look at the difference between the two and the lessons learned from the two as well. Um, but the first question that we wanna ask, ask tonight is firstly, who is David? Who's this King David that we, um, know and speak of. And we're introduced to this character of David um, after Saul, um, at the insistence of people, people were kind of begging him, the, the, um, the population, um, and they made Saul king during that time. But Saul did not measure up to God's standard of a king, and a mistake after another, and he disqualified himself from being king. That's Saul, right? And then God sent Samuel to, to find the chosen shepherd, which is David, um, and who is the son of Jesse. So we're going to pick up from this part within the story, um, and that is 1 Samuel 16, um, 6 to 13. So from verse 6, it says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance. So he's, he, he went to Jesse's house and he's kind of looking for the, for the next king, the one that God is going to anoint to be in charge of Israel. From verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. God does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel answered, send for him. He will not sit down until he leaves. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Um, so after reading that first section, um, David is believed to have to have been around the age of 12 to 16 years of age during this time, roughly. Okay, um, and when and this is when he was anointed as the king of, of Israel. So obviously, to our standards, that's pretty young of age for someone to to be king. But the Lord chose to anoint David, Jesse's son. Um, and in our human standards, that's the unlikely choice. If something was, was to happen like that today, it's weird. It's not, it's not the norm. Um, 
So from the human perspective, David was not and should have not been the obvious choice. He wasn't the obvious choice. Um, and actually, in fact, he was out with the sheep. So his father kind of wrote him off in the process of things. Um, and he was like, oh, like there's still one more of my sons. He's out with the, with the sheep though. He's young, like, do you really want him? Um, but he was the one chosen. And the thing is that God will make things work in his own unique way. And a uh, fun fact is that David actually didn't become king until he was 30 years old. That's around 15 years later from the time that he was actually anointed. And one thing for us to kind of take away from this first segment of this story is what if God has anointed you with something, but you still have to wait 15 years to be shaped into the person that he wants you to become? There's a process for David to become king. Yes, he was anointed and God wanted him to go to that next stage or to, to become king, but he had to wait 15 years. And we're going to follow along in a, in a couple of different things that happened during that time um, before he was actually appointed king. The question for us is, pulling you towards something, and God wants you to do something. And he perhaps even told you about what this something for his glory going to be in the future. But what happens if you have to wait 15 or so years? Are you willing to, to accept what God has in store for you, even if it's way down the track to... To, to, to go through that molding process. Uh, we're going to continue the story from 1 Samuel 16, uh, verse 14 to 18. Now the spirit of the Lord has departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from, the God is, from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here, to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil spirits from God come on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his servants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of his servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the liar. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and he's fine looking and the Lord is with him. So straight away we see that David is unique, that David is marked by God and he was anointed by God as well so when someone is anointed by God God makes a way for that person to follow through with the anointment and reach to that place where God said from the beginning and that's exactly what we see with the story um, of David so after David was kind of anointed during the the part that we read you know he went he went back to tend his sheep and with the poo and all the rubbish that's kind of not rubbish but like all the i don't know if you've ever seen a farm but it's not a very pleasant place to be in it's, it's dirty it's messy um and there's it's, it's gross it's not a fun place to be but that's where david was occupied during that time that's what he was doing but the, the thing that i want us to, to understand is what if david actually needed to go back to the poo what if he needed to go back to that dirty farm in order for him to actually be fit to become king one day. Not today, but one day. And what I want us to understand is that the process of molding, the process of God shaping your character and shaping you as a person is difficult and it's messy, but it's necessary. And when David was anointed, he could have said to God, 
you know what? Like, I'm already king. I'm, why should I go and tend the shape? Like, I'm, I'm already in charge. I'm already the boss here. I'm going at least going to be the boss one day. Why do I need to, to tend the sheep and do something, you know, any some sort of servant can do for me? But he didn't. He was willing to wait on the promise God had for him. And we can see God's hand in the second part of the story because some, some of the servants of the king, King Saul, came up to him and they, and they spoke about David. And they're like, oh, we've seen this kid who plays the lyre. Like, David was practically a nobody. Like, he's, he, he wasn't popular during that, that time at all. He wasn't officially king just yet. He was pretty much a nobody. He was a normal person within society. So he didn't need to be noticed at all. But God makes a way. God will make a way for you in your life, not through your strength, but in his own strength. I want to share with you guys a, a story that happened in my life. And that was how I got one of my casual jobs when I was a, a little bit younger. Um, I used to work at Village Cinemas. And the way that I actually got this job was pretty interesting because I, I caught up with a friend. Um, he messaged me and he's like, hey, man, like, I, I just want to catch up. I'm struggling with a couple of different things. Like, let's chat. And I was like, oh, like, fine, if I have to. But I was like, you know what? Like, let's go have a chat with this guy and, and, and see, like, what I can potentially help him with. So we go and hang out and we get talking and we discuss a couple of different issues that he's struggling with. And I share, like, how are you doing? How are you doing? And we just get talking, right? And then he's, um, I tell him, like, hey, I'm looking for a job at the moment. And he's like, oh, no way. Like, I know we're at Fountaingate. So know where where everything is um he was like oh no way my sister knows the manager of village cinemas um and they're currently hiring at the moment i can i can chuck your resume in and i'm like dude that's great like yeah put through my resume and i didn't really kind of expect it to go anywhere um and a couple of days later i got a call from village cinemas and they said hey come for for an interview um and i did the interview and i eventually got the job but what i'm trying to say here is that God will use opportunities to do what also you want in a particular period of time. So I was going to just speak with a friend. I, was, I had no intention of getting a job out of this. I had no intention of receiving anything at all. But I just purely went to speak to a friend who wanted to kind of speak to me. And um, I wanted to speak to him as well, I guess. And from that conversation came up and God knew the desires of my heart that I, I wanted a job during that time because of me doing a good thing. God also blessed me with a good thing that I also had in my mind um, and in my heart as well. So that's just the example of a story that happened. Um, we follow, let's follow on this, um, this story and we're going to get to the, the part of David and Goliath now. And I know a lot of us know this story and a lot of different things that happen, but I, Hope that God will um, give you a different take on it maybe tonight and help you to understand a little bit more about it and what we can learn deeper from the story. So 1 Samuel 17, 4 to 11 says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 50,000 shekels. 
On his legs he wore bronze greaves and bronze javelin, with a slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaved rod, and its iron point weighed sixty hundred shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. And it's funny, every time I read this story, I don't know why, but um, I imagine Goliath to have like a really woggy accent for some reason. Um, and for him to, to, to be like a tough kind of dude and speaking a bit like that. So that's the voice that I get in my head. I don't know what voice you hear in your head, but just try to, try to imagine this tough guy speaking, right? Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out of line for a battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not a servant of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy my armies of the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So a little bit of understanding on this first segment that we read. Um, Goliath's actual height was nine foot and nine inches. So that is huge. He's a monster. Imagine like two of me standing on top of each other. And I actually looked at it and the Guinness World Record for the tallest man ever is some guy called Robert Wadlow, and he is eight foot and 11 inches. So Goliath was taller than the, the guy in the Guinness World Record. He is huge. And the, the weight of his coat that he was wearing for battle was actually 57 kilograms. I, don't, I think some of us in this chat don't even weigh 57 kilograms. So he, he could have had a mini Jonathan on his back or something like that. I don't know if Juju even weighs... 57 kilograms, but um, it's heavy, right? And the the point, the iron point of his spear was 68.4 kilograms. That's ridiculous. Like this man is the weight of an obese human. Like all the things that he had on him made him monstrous. This guy is huge. And he would come out and, and say the same thing for 40 days. And we follow the story from verse 17. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah, a roast of roasted grain and, and 10 loaves of bread for your brothers uh, who are hungry at the camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance for them. Thou wish Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fight against, fighting against the Philistines. So we see here that it's actually Jesse saying this to David. David didn't take initiative and say, I'm going to the Philistine um, war or fight. No, Jesse actually told him to go. And again, this is showing us that God is working in the background. David's not taking anything on his own strength or his own will. Jesse is the one that told him this, right? So we can see God in the works behind the scenes of what's going on. David didn't make the choice. So he pretty much is getting some cheese toasties to his brothers, right, in, in the war. And then verse 26 says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for this man who kills the Philistines and removed the disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine 
that he should defy the armies of the living God. To me, when I read that, it feels like a swear word, but it's not, right? Um, and when I had a little bit of a further look at this, um, it shows that David was around 22 years old uh, during this time when he was fighting Goliath. That is six or more years after the time that he was anointed. Quite a big time as well on the points that we mentioned earlier. Um, pick up the story from verse 32. David said to Saul, he's so standing in front of the king now. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried and I carried a sheep off from their flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued it from the sheep, the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. When I read that, I'm like, where's David getting this courage from? And again, this all happened during the time when he, all those years after he was anointed, because we, we said that there's, there's, there's a year period, there's a couple of years period in, in the middle there. So we see that we see that David is being shaped in private when no one else was looking. David was updating his resume. You know, he had a bear, he has a bear and a lion being killed on his resume. That's pretty good resume. Um, and it wasn't by his own. God rescued me from the poor of the lion and the bear. He's crediting God. So what I'm trying to say to us tonight, guys, is that your experience is going to help you in future situations. Um, during this time of COVID, during this time of uh, struggles, you may look at your circumstance and say, I wish I had it otherwise, or I wish this, this COVID would end. Like, it's so frustrating, and it is frustrating. You have every right to be annoyed by it. But what if you reshape the vision that you have for your own life? What if you start looking at this COVID situation as God molding you in private? When no one else is looking, when there's no distractions, when you don't have room to leave the house, what is God trying to teach you in this intimate moment with him? So that when you go out and face the world once again, God has taught you something when no one else is looking that you can bring forward and bring praise and glory to his name later on. So identify that, that time in, in your life at the moment and see what it is that God is um, trying to tell you um, and then we follow on from the story from verse 38 then Saul dressed David in his own tunic he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tied and tied and tried walking around because he was not used to it I cannot go in these he said to Saul because I'm not used to them so he took them off then he took off his when he, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd bag, and with the sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. 
So David had an option to get a sword, to get a spear, to get protection. That's the logical option for him to take. If you're going to battle, if you're going to war, you need protection and you also need a weapon to attack with. But he chose the option of what God was showing him rather than what humans were telling him. Um, Sometimes God's plan can look humanly impossible, but God's plan doesn't have to match the normal. God's plan doesn't have to follow what the rest of humanity is telling you. And we see that in Jesus' life on earth. He was different from any other human being. Um, And God is actually going to speak to you in private so that the victory is his in public. Follow on in uh, 41, it says, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his sheep in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give you, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut your head off. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistines moved close to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line and met him. Reaching in his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. The the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. David had no fear because he was certain that God was with him and on his side. Like, he, he sees this massive dude and his reaction is to not hide and, and, and you know, do the, the sling at him. But no, it was to run towards him and sling it at him. He was getting closer to Goliath as Goliath is getting closer to him. And David actually used this slingshot um, method, as you can say, on his farm. So back at the farm or back at when he was tending the sheep, he, he was trained to use this slingshot. But what I, wanna, what I want us to kind of wrap our heads around is, is what if David fought Goliath the actual day he was anointed or a day later after he was anointed? The result could have potentially been very different. But what I'm trying to say is that we have to trust in God's plan and we also have to trust in God's timing. Because sometimes we want to rush things and we want to move into places that we aren't necessarily ready for just yet. But being molded in private so that when you are in public, you give God the glory. And that's exactly what David did in this 
um, story because it's actually foolish. Um, it's foolish for a man to seek praise, but it's mature for a man to give back the glory to the God who gave him the victory. Um, and we just went through how, you know, God was with David in the good times as he matured and was molded in private, as we mentioned. Um, and then later on in the story, we see that, you know, David became king of Judah and later on the 12 tribes of Israel. He was um, told by God that his throne is going to last forever. He defeated the Philistines and so much more happens in the story. And Sometimes the story of David is highlighted through his success and his victories as a, uh, as a king. But let's look at the other side of the story, the opposite side of the story. And, but just before we look into David's downfalls, we must understand this is a man who God said is something very special. First um, Samuel 13, 13 to 14 says, You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the commands the Lord, the God has given you. He's talking to Saul, King Saul. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. And here's the important catch. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. So it is quoted here that this is a man after God's own heart. That is such a special thing for God to say about anybody. And God chose to say this about David. So it shows something very amazing um, of God, what, how much God loved him. Right? But this man makes mistakes, just like all of us do. And the troubles began with the fact that David had eight wives later on in the story. And biblical texts actually suggest that he potentially would have had more um, upon going into Jerusalem as well. And from these wives, David had 19 sons. But I want us to focus on one particular uh, wife he had, and her name is Bathsheba. So we pick up from 2 Samuel 12, and that's the story of David and Bathsheba. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying for herself from her monthly uncleanliness. Then she went back home. The women conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. So a quick summary here is David didn't go off to war. He went up on um, the roof of his palace and he sees this beautiful woman bathing, right? And... He clearly found out that she was married and she had a relationship with, with her husband, but he still decides to sleep with her anyway and she becomes pregnant. So we move on to verse six. So David sent this word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite, her husband. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was. 
and how the soldiers were and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the palace with all the master servants and did not go down to his house. David was told Uriah did not go, did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark and, Is the ark and Israel and, and Judah are staying in tents and my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in open country. How could I go to the house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, stay here one more day and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem the next day. At, at David's invitation, he ate and drank with him and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on the mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. So David recalls Uriah from the battle that was happening at the time. And he was hoping that Uriah would go back home and sleep with his wife so that he can convince him or um, tell him that, you know, your wife is now pregnant and it's obviously because you slept with her. But Uriah actually refused to go home while his commanders were at war as a sign of respect. He thought it would be unfair for him to be doing such um, normal life things when all of this is happening and he should be there. Um, so he fails for the first time. David fails for the first time. Even while he got him pregnant and uh, sorry, while he got him uh, drunk, he, he didn't go to his wife. Pick up from verse 14. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it to Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out. He sent it with Uriah, sorry. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the battle is fighting the fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at the place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. So David just arranged for him to die in battle and that's exactly what happened. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David has done displeased the Lord. So David decided to, to then marry Bathsheba. After he pretty much killed her husband, he wanted to take her up in marriage. And that's exactly what he did. And I want us to look at these different two stories, right? We can, we can see David at his peak or his height of success. And we can also see David in his very, very low moments. And in the first story, the difference is we see David seeking God and he wanted to hear God's voice and wanted to do what pleased God. But in the second story, we see him seeking his own desires. And the thing is, God is always around. It's just the choice of whether you include him in your plans or you don't. And what we learn, guys, is that if God can, choose, if God can use a broken man such as David, 
He can use anyone. He can use anyone. But what you have to understand is that there are consequences to David's actions. Later on in the story of David, we see David's own son rapes his sister and then killed by his other brother. And then that son that killed the brother goes on and tries to kill David, his dad. It was just so messy. Like their relationship as a family and David as a father was a complete mess and a complete disaster. And to get personal with you guys a little bit here, um, I had some some troubling times in my school times, particularly within uh, year 12. I had a lot of different um, struggles and a lot of different um, things that messed me up. You know, I was going out to parties pretty much every weekend. I was drinking, I was getting drunk, I was being offered things and it was just a mess. My life during that time was a complete mess. But the funny thing is, I was still coming to church and I was still serving and I was still within the bubble or the atmosphere of of church. But I was living a double life. I was sometimes here and I was sometimes there. And I'm not proud of what I did and I learned from what I struggled with. But there are consequences to my actions. There are some things that I did that I can never take back. But God can still use a person like me and God can still use a person like David in the story. Regardless of your sins, regardless of your struggles and regardless of how unclean and and messed up you think you are as a human being, God's never not going to use you. And I speak to a lot of people who who will always use the excuse of, but I'm not qualified to serve, but I, but I look at me like I struggle with this and I do that. How can I serve God like the creator of the universe? And if that was everyone's reaction, no one would be serving at all. We wouldn't have a Bible because all of these people are broken and all these people are lost and all these people are struggling with a lot of different things. Just like all the leaders in, in our group, We've all struggled with different things, but God still uses us. God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Um, Psalm 86, 5 says, You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. God is forgiving. What you've done, it doesn't matter. Come to God and repent. Come to God and tell him I apologize for the things that I've done. I'm your vessel ready to be used by you and watch what God is going to do in your life. Romans 12, one to two says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Something for us to to understand, guys, is that you can love God and still sin. No one's perfect. But you can't love God and still want to sin. There's a difference between the two. And awareness of sin should actually cause you to try to escape from it and not want to pursue it any longer. Your past does not shape who you are today. And when I say past, sometimes we tend to think years ago, but your past is yesterday. 
your past is what happened five minutes ago. It doesn't need to be years ago. And if you've chosen to repent, then what happened yesterday is already forgiven. And you're a new creation. The Bible tells us that, that you're a new creation. But overall, what we learn from these two stories of David, I'm going to finish up now. Overall, we learn from these two um, stories. It's, it's about who's behind David, who's working behind the scenes. It's, this is called behind the hero. Behind the hero is Christ. David was a man who fell, who did good things, but he fell. Who struggled. But Christ offers us that, that free gift, his love on the cross for us. He died on the cross for us. Behind every hero we see in the Bible or behind any Christian person that you look up to is Christ or should be Christ. And I can promise you that any hero that you think of in the Bible, the person behind that person's success is not themselves, but it's Christ. All circumstances in your life are orchestrated by God. And if it's a bad circumstance that you're in, it's not caused by God, but God will use your bad circumstance for the good. You can look at any situation in your life, no matter how terrible you think it is, and there is a positive in there. And that's not just you trying to fish for something good that happened in a bad situation. No, that's God being in that situation and trying to mold you in private, trying to show you that when no one else is looking, that I want to teach you something in a particular situation. I want to teach you something behind closed doors so that when you go out to the world, that my name is proclaimed and not your personal gain, not your personal success. It's God's. It's God. It's always God's. And the encouragement is tonight, if you don't know Christ and if you're striving to do things on your own to reach perfection, you are always going to fall short of the standard. But with Christ, he says it's okay to fail. He says, my grace is sufficient and I have covered all your sins. If only you choose me, the free gift that you don't have to pay anything for. That's the gift that I offer you. If you're willing to take it on board. Um, so that's pretty much what I, what I had for us tonight, guys. Is, and it's, uh, I hope you've been challenged by something that's been said um, tonight. And if you are, please take this opportunity to, to come before God and tell him, Lord, you're, you're my strength and you're the one that holds me up every single day. And I can't do this on my own. And regardless of how good you think anyone you look up to is, I can tell you they're not that good. And it's just God who makes them look good. God is the, the standard that we look up to. And God is perfection in everything that we do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we just had, Lord, and we just um, pray that and thank you, Lord, that regardless of anything we've done in our past, Lord, that you forget that and you, you've washed that away, Lord, by you dying on the cross for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you're the person that operates behind the scenes, Lord, that you're the person that stands out, Lord, that we give you glory in, in anything that happens in our lives, Lord, that it's not us doing anything, Lord, but it's you coming through in all the circumstances of our lives, Lord. We thank you for who you are and we thank you that we can approach you on a daily basis, Lord. 
um, through your sacrifice for us once and for all, Lord. Uh, we pray, Lord, that we're challenged by something today and that we can take it and apply it to our lives, Lord, in whatever circumstance, Lord, that during this time of difficulty and COVID crisis and all that sort of stuff, Lord, what are you trying to teach us during this time? Help us to always seek your face, Lord, and for you to, to speak to us, Lord. We thank you for the time that we just had, Lord, and we pray uh, for blessings and growth during um, these coming weeks and months, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.